CD turned on and cranked up to 11. We're good. I did put my gum somewhere so I'm not like chewing into the microphone. Welcome to ADD Masterminds. I'm Jeff. And I'm John. And together we are the ADD Masterminds. I already said that. Um, this is episode Should seven. like a salute. Oh yeah, like the three amigos, but there's only, two, there's only two of us. Yeah, dude. All you would hear is... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey! So this is episode <clears throat> episode seven. We have a long ways to go before oh, we can catch up to the gospel friends, but that's okay since as long as they don't they don't make any more episodes, we might be able to catch them. So well, here at ADD Masterminds, we're all about quality, not quantity. So quality, yeah, that's right. That's a good yeah. excuse. That sounds good. I like that. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Okay. Quality is job one. Quality I'm not sure what job two is though. Job. Uh, yeah. What would job? Job two is making sure you have a job. <laughs> All right. Okay. So. So. Oh, well, but, um, last but, time. No, you go first. We tried to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I had this idea because uh, Clint Epperson was posting on Facebook, and that's quite a while ago. Yeah. Um, that there were a couple things he wanted us to talk about. Um, the first one was Christian motivation for alt tech. No yes. idea what that means. Ah, yes. Yeah, I know exactly what that is, and I can explain it to you, and we can discuss the benefits of it. Um, do you want to do that now, or? Oh, yeah. Let's okay. do it now. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's just, let's just jump right into this. We don't need a jump right on. what were you thinking or any of that stuff. We're just going to dive right in. Okay, so in the last couple of months, um, mm -hmm. there have been several uh, tech upstart uh, startups. I should say upstarts. They're upstarts too, but um, that have been right-wing alternatives to established things like Wikipedia and Twitter. Okay. Oh, um, so it's like the Fox Wikipedia. It's yes. There's actually a website called infogalactic.com, which nice. yes, that is a Beastie Boys reference to intergalactic, um, intergalactic <sighs> planetary, you know. Yes. But uh, Info, infogalactic uh, people basically got fed up with all of the politics and edit wars, and all of the um, revisionist history stuff and all the crazy stuff going on at wikipedia and so they decided to just let's just make a new one and make it better so they did and that's actually up and live now they started that i guess about a month ago and uh, there's also been several issues with facebook google and twitter uh, censoring people banning people um, right removing accounts and things like that for saying things you know and so, for respecting free speech, they've had companies. There's this guy named Andrew uh, 
Torba, Andrew Torba, who started a, a website called Gab AI, which I think I mentioned that to you. And basically, it's like I did. I mentioned it to you. It's basically like Twitter, but there's a 300 character limit instead of 140. And yes, yeah, it's, they fixed it. It is nice actually. And there's an edit button. Yeah, you can actually edit your tweets or gabs as they call them. And uh, you can up and down vote them, and it is completely um, unrestricted free speech. They only will ban you if you do something like explicitly illegal. Other than that, oh, can, okay. other than that, you can say anything you want to, and they will not ban you or edit you or anything like that. Um, and so, what ended up happening was a lot of people who were um, not really happy with Twitter and Facebook's terms of service and the thought police basically uh, giving them vacations because they didn't like what they were saying, they decided to go there instead, and so they could say whatever they wanted to. Um, so, as far as that, how that affects us, um, and I say us as in the church or believers. Um, there, there's a few things that we have to, to ask ourselves. Is that, is it necessary? Um, and is that, um, beneficial for us? Now, the biggest argument that I heard with Gab AI is that it would turn into an echo chamber, which is essentially... Everybody thinks the same, talks the same, so you never hear any opposing voices or opinions. Yeah. But what ended up, basically that was a, a knee-jerk reaction to what Twitter was doing, which was making things an echo chamber by censoring or banning people that were saying things that they didn't like. And so they said, well, we'll just <laughs> make our own. So, And there's some good and bad points to that, and... Although they say places like Gab and Infogalactic are impartial, they they don't choose preferences or sides. Um, but it it seems that a certain group of people that are very protective of free speech and in America and the First Amendment have kind of gravitated towards that because they're allowed to say whatever they want to, which is a pretty good selling point if you ask me. Um, you know, social media say whatever you want. Sounds pretty good. So how how does that affect us uh, as the church? Should we um, should we endorse those kind of things? Should we use those kind of things? Would it be beneficial for us to have some kind of social media communication thing that is um, truly unrestricted? And do you think it would turn into an echo chamber? What do you think? Yeah. Um, well, I guess the first thing I am keep thinking of is uh, being in the world but not of it. Right. That and helps so us, I guess yeah. it depends on who's in that group. Um, I don't know. You know, the funny thing is I feel like I censor myself more for my Christian audience than anything else. That's true. You know, I'm like, yeah. and there's so many things on Facebook or Twitter even that I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. Oh, I can't like that. <laughs> you know yeah and it's like i don't want people to know how bad my sense of humor is <laughs> well right yeah and there's a lot of that and and the, this i guess the the essential idea is 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 it considered okay for for christians to just be themselves or do we should we always 
<clears throat> censor and watch what we say? That's a big question. Well, and this is um, the weaker brother, right? Like, yes. this is all about the weaker brother. Yes. And it's funny how, like, if you, you know, the verse really is talking about, like, meat sacrificed to idols, and if it hurts your weaker brother, I believe, if I'm giving the right context here. Yes, that's correct. And so we've taken it, though, to mean, well, what if my brother has a problem with judging people all the time? And then, so now we're, like, kind of tiptoeing around, making sure that we're not making the judgmental Christian judge us. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know if that was the intention of the passage to begin with. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And, and it's, and a large part of this is started basically when there was a group of right, right-wingers, I guess some were Christians, a large part of them were actually, mm-hmm. who just got really fed up with people telling them what they could and couldn't say. And right. so, and, and and I can understand that. I, I respect that because there are times that I want to tell people things that they desperately need to hear and I have second thoughts and I go, you know, maybe I shouldn't say that because um, I might offend them. Um, sometimes the gospel's offensive, though. Um, and so we have to really balance that with speaking truth in love and just straight mm-hmm. up telling somebody what they desperately need to hear, you know. I guess what's tough for me, too, though, is that I don't really think there's a a way to make generalizations and do that in love, you know, like, you know, when you talk about like, cause I, I know the big ones that Christians, you know, have a hard time talking about is like transgendered people or homosexuality. Right. Yeah. It's awkward. Um, yeah. I think those are the main ones. <laughs> I can't think of anything else, but um, those are kind of the, the two issues. So that's why we started this whole other social media. No, <laughs> but Um, and like, for me, it's kind of like, well, if I'm gonna, I don't like to, you know, say stuff about it on public forums, because to me, I don't know how to do that in love without relationship with that individual that is struggling with that issue. Right. And if I meet that person who's struggling with that issue, I can have a one-on-one with them and tell them what I think, you know, if they want to hear it, I guess is part of it too. Right. Cause it's like, I don't, uh, it's, it's hard. Because it's like, um, uh, I, you know, we really need the Holy Spirit, <laughs> you know, to yeah. guide us in these conversations. Because it's like, because you don't want to come with condemnation and, you know, just say the same thing every other person's been saying to them. You know, it's like, well, I just don't agree with your lifestyle. And it's like, well, what does that even mean? <laughs> right. You know? How does that? I don't like the way you drink coffee and read the newspaper in the morning. You know, like that doesn't make sense. You know, and so right. we have all these kind of Christianisms we use to kind of tiptoe around it. And it's like in reality, like how can we be real, speak the truth, and keep love attached to it? And it's like I really only by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't think we can take a course and know how to how to approach this. Yeah, it's difficult. Like when you're talking with somebody, instead of saying something like, well, I disagree with your lifestyle, you could say, you know, I really care about what happens to you and I'm concerned for you Mm -hmm. because because of this, that, and the other. That that causes me concern and I worry about you as Mm -hmm. a friend. You know, not that I, well, I do disagree with what you're doing, but it's because... I don't want to see bad things happen to you. I don't want to see you wreck your life. I don't want to see you end up being 
you know, uh, or whatever, you know, and that and that applies to all yeah. kinds of areas. Um, you know, and that's that's the motivation is that we want to be truthful to people because we do care what happens to them. Exactly, and that's that's love. That's love first and foremost. But you can't do that and just apply it to a people group. <laughs> you have to do it to the individual. So that's that's how I feel about it. Yeah, I generally tend to just not address um, issues that are generalized to a people group because that really doesn't yeah. change anything because you can't change a people no. group's mind. You can change a person's mind, mm-hmm. but you can't change a people group's mind. And it, it's no use arguing about it. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And you know, I think part of this too is like whenever, you know, you've got two groups of people and let's say liberals and conservatives without talking politics, but uh, <laughs> when you've got two groups of people and they um, are looking at an issue and abortion is a great example. Um, what they'll do is one group will see the mother as the victim. The other group sees the unborn child as the victim. Right. And it seems like both of them have tunnel vision and they're both trying to be compassionate, but they both see hatred from the other group. And it's like, oh my goodness, like, can't you both see that there's compassion on both sides? It's just you guys disagree on who the victim really is. Right. And there's a lot of things like that. That's just disagreement yeah. and, you know, things, well, any kind of, any kind of system abuse or any kind of, uh, uh, political thing it's it's generally driven by people's concerns that are mm-hmm. either misaligned or misplaced or uninformed or or they're just yeah you know uh, any number of reasons that um what it boils down to is that everybody is concerned about what's going to happen you know and when, when the the recent yeah. uh political whatever you want to call it i don't know if you would call it an election or a circus or whatever but uh, <laughs> You've got people that were that were crying the loss of one person, and and other people that were crying the victory of the other person, and and it's just like, but the whole reason is a lot of these fears are unfounded, you know. Yeah. And and their their fears are blown out of proportion. They listen to people that they shouldn't have. They believe yeah. things that aren't true on both sides, and it's just yes. it's just it's a big mess because now that they're and it plays on their emotional uh, concerns specifically. Yeah. And I, I think the key word in all of these situations is nuance, you know, and, and know that it's not this way and it's not that way. It's somewhere in between, not right in the middle, (laughs) but it's somewhere in between. And it's like, you've got to hear out both sides in these situations and just try to find truth and stop forming opinions about everything and leave some things in the air and say, well, we'll see, Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of the, of the fear mongering and the, the panics yeah. and, and all that stuff. It's just, it's not necessary. It's not called for. And mm-hmm. when cooler heads prevail, things get done, even if you disagree, you know, and that's yeah. just, and so as far as, the alt tech and censorship, yes, I, I think that is a need because that, uh, and I'm sure that you've seen it as well, that when large companies, large social media, whatever, um, they are agenda-driven, they tend, 
you know, the people who are, uh, are opposite of that agenda feel slighted, which they are. And so yeah. it's natural for them to say, well, okay, well, where can I go so that I can discuss like-minded things with people like me, you know? So if it ever comes yeah. to, I mean, God forbid, if they ever get to the point where um, saying you're a, a Christian on social media will cause you to be, you know, persecuted just for that, which, I mean, we get attacked for it all the time verbally, but yeah, um, but like real life and limb kind of stuff, you know, well, you're going to want to go yeah. someplace where you will feel safe, where you can be accepted, um, where you're not going to be attacked, or where you can say whatever you want to. And people can disagree with you, but neither one of you is going to get banned or kicked or booted or attacked or whatever, you know. And that's that's really what it comes yeah. down to. And I, you know, I like that idea too in some ways because I I'd like someone who, you know, <laughs> now you say the word, but you know, like uh, who intensely disagrees with me. I want them to be able to voice their opinion. So that I can tell them how wrong they are, <laughs> you know, right. like, like, let's put it all out in the open. Let's stop pretending that we all agree and let's like put things out in the open. Now, I still think we should start where we agree and then start talking about where we diverge and it'll be a learning conversation, but I don't think we should be censoring our beliefs. Yeah, we really shouldn't. And the truth is, is that in the old days... It was very common for people that were good friends to vehemently disagree about everything, but that that's the word I couldn't say. They could, <laughs> they could separate that from their friendship with the other person because they rec recognized, hey, this is still a friend of mine. He's a person, even though I totally disagree with the way you know what he believes is more important. That doesn't make his beliefs. Um, it's not enough reason to to hate him. You know, yeah. now I mean, if he wants to cause me bodily harm, well, yeah, that's one thing. But just disagreeing about things, no. And we can't yeah. get to the point where we can understand each other if you can't discuss things. And if there's censorship, you never get a chance to work that out. And so, absolutely uh, right. And I and I posted a, a quote from Abraham Lincoln on Facebook. I don't know if you saw that. Um, it was from the very no, end. It was the very end of his first inaugural address. Um, right after or during the civil war and uh, and he implores the the people there you know we should not be uh enemies we need to work together i'm not mm -hmm. asking for us to agree on everything i'm paraphrasing here yeah. obviously but yeah but it was just the way he said it and that and that by working together even with differences eventually cooler heads will prevail and so yeah that's and then, and that's Absolutely. what that's what needs to happen here in in Europe yeah. and everywhere else where they've got all this crazy ideology just ripping the countries apart and polarizing everything and people are taking up arms over this you know because they see it as a personal affront or an attack on their person because yes. and it's it's like, oh, hold on, hold on. It's it's not, you know, my having a, a belief does not personally attack you. Now, if you go out and ride in the streets and start beating people's windows in and say, well, yeah, okay, that's personal, but that's, yeah. that's not acceptable. Well, exactly. But, I mean, I, I think this is just something that's ingrained in our human nature for whatever reason. Um, I don't know if you're a sports fan. Um, do you have any sports that you follow? Uh. Mm, 
I, I watch bike racing. That's about it. Okay. I don't know. This probably doesn't happen by, happen in bike racing so much, but you know, when you got fans of a certain team, and I remember this when like my team went to the Stanley cup final, the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, they went to the Stanley cup final. They won the president's trophy. They were the top team in the league. They went to the finals. I felt they deserved to be there. They came up against the Boston Bruins and it was amazing to me how many people were cheering the Boston Bruins just because they hate Canucks fans. That, yeah. And when Vancouver lost, it was like they wanted to rub it in. And it's like they got this joy from the sorrow <laughs> of the fans. And I'm like, what is that? And so we're seeing the same thing politically. It's yes. like, oh, you lost. I am so glad to see you lose. And it's like, well, we're going to be divided forever if we look at victory and defeat that way. Yes, and unfortunately, that's human nature. That's just, and I've yeah. seen that, and in, in, in I live close to New Orleans, so the New Orleans Saints fans are absolutely rabid. I mean, they are yeah. hardcore fans, and they hate the Atlanta Falcons so much right. so that I can remember last year I walked into a store um, wearing a red and black shirt. Didn't realize it was a game yeah. day. Didn't realize the Saints were playing the Falcons that day. Um, I walked into the store and I got the most vile looks from everybody in the store because they thought yeah. I was a Falcons fan. And yeah. I was just, and I didn't catch it until I got home and I was telling Debbie about it. And I said, I was in, I was in the store and all these people were giving me dirty looks and I couldn't figure yeah. out why. And she says, I don't know. Oh, look, hey, the Saints are playing the Falcons. And I went, oh, you've got to be kidding me. That's what it yeah. was. It was because I was wearing a shirt, a red and black shirt. And it, they, they just assumed that I was yeah. a vile, evil person from Atlanta. And so, therefore, they were giving me stinky looks. And I just I couldn't believe that's it. so silly. It like, is. I don't understand why that's supposed to be fun, is to spew hatred at people. It's ridiculous. Anyways. <laughs> okay so new culture wars is that kind of associated with this because i i don't know what that is either culture wars yes that's that's directly tied into this especially with you could almost call the recent presidential election um almost like a on a national scale culture war fight because the the candidates were so polarizing Right. Yeah, that's true. It was. It was almost like they were the poster <laughs> yeah. children of I'm their. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so you saw this huge polarization, and really, yeah. there wasn't a need for that. And they had all of these people spewing hatred and lies about both candidates, and it was just like, you know what? That's not helping anything. One of these people exactly. is going to end up running the country. You should at least try and look and see what's good in either one of them. Now, granted, some people find that hard Definitely. to do, but. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was a nasty campaign. Um, all right. Yeah. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. This is what I was going to say. <laughs> um, I was uh, I heard a quote that I thought was really cool. And they were saying, like, OK, how do you change culture? Because, I mean, this is what this is. This all boils down to. And I think I might have mentioned before on the podcast um, that, you know, like I heard, you know, it's like 
we need to influence culture, not wait for politics to react to an issue, but we should be influencing culture to begin with yeah. and making the world a better place, right? Absolutely. And um, what this guy said about culture is he's like, how do you change culture? Well, you don't change culture by criticizing it. You don't change culture by warring against it. No. The way you change culture is by creating it. Yes. And I was like, wow, that's inspirational. That's a very good point. So that's what I want to do. I'm going to try to change. I'm going to try to create Johnny Howe culture. Well, and that's really what it boils down to. <laughs> you can't, like, say, for instance, if you don't like, you know, political, uh, I said not politics. I'm not going to, we're not going there. Say if you don't like the culture no. that comes with pro football because of all the yeah. crazy, all the crazy nuts stuff that goes, stupidity that goes along with it. So yeah. in, instead of just criticizing it, all that does is just make people angry. It, you know, if I, if I walk up to you and I say, you're stupid for doing this and da, 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 da. The first thing you're going to do yeah. is you're going to you're going to flare up. You're going to you're you're going to raise your hackles and you're going to be on the defense and you're immediately going to go, "Why are you attacking me?" And you're going to attack back. Yeah. And so that doesn't really fix anything. To fix that, you have to like you said, you have to create culture, you have to do something, create something positive and then try and draw people yeah. to that, you know, as an alternative. Isn't that what Christianity is? I mean, that's what Jesus was doing. It's from the get-go. He was creating a new culture. You that's know, it. and it's like, that's right. do unto others as you would have them do to you. Lay down your lives for each other. And it's like, we need to be doing that. And it's like, why aren't we doing that? We're too busy standing up for our rights and, <laughs> you know, or fighting with each other, saying, no, we shouldn't stand up for our rights or we should stand up for our rights. And it's like, how about we just lead by example and stop arguing with each other? Yeah, I know. Hang on just a second. I'm going to, um, I'll be right back. Sit tight. I have returned. Hey. Okay. Sorry. Hey. Short, short message break from our sponsors. Acme yeah. lasers. When you have to uh, <laughs> obliterate votes from orbit. <laughs> that, no, wait, 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 wait. Oh, wait, even better. The Acme laser vote counter. Guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> okay maybe not uh, anyways okay so what's next on our list all right um hey so i thought you were gonna get all techie and stuff so i wanted to talk about the limitless pill have you seen that um on uh news no. one of the news sites they were talking about how there's you've seen the movie limitless no Okay. Um, it's this idea that we don't, you know, they say we don't use all of our brain. Well, there's now a pill that's supposed to allow you to use more of your brain. So what right. used to be science fiction is now science nonfiction. <laughs> science reality. <laughs> science reality. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, well, that's interesting. I'm like, you know, all of that stuff, like including bionic humans, really, like the whole idea of like, I want a better eye, so I'm going to get mine cut out so I can have a mechanical eye. I'm like, these people are crazy. Yeah. I mean, like, seriously, get a warranty with that or something, man. It's just, you know. It just, it wakes me out. Well, there's, but you yeah. know, you know what doesn't wake me out? is self-driving cars. I honestly think there's going to be a day soon where a car can drive itself better than we can drive it. Well, it's already here. They've actually proven the the yeah. the 
self-driving Google and Tesla cars have lower accident rates than people. That's been proven. Yeah. So, so the question is, I mean, if, if a self-driving car kills someone, which this has actually happened, I think, recently, um, is that an excuse to stop using them? Because the accident rate is still lower. <laughs> acceptable risk, hey? It's like, what is acceptable risk? That's always a fine, kind of an interesting question. Exactly. Well, you know, and right now, it's, you say it's an acceptable risk because it's not worse than a human. But then it's the fact that a machine killed somebody. Well, it's right. It's kind of freaky. But people get killed by car accidents all the time. It's just people's faults. Yeah. So wow. suddenly it's it's a machine's fault, but it's still the risk is still better. So statistically speaking, it would be better. <laughs> so, so it's not like like the 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 uh, space program with NASA because they don't you know like with NASA they have like triple redundant backup systems and they don't let anybody right they don't want anybody to die ever. they want a zero percent failure rate that's what they're shooting for right well we realize with millions and hundreds of millions of drivers in the united states and canada that's not going to happen so how do you deal with that how do you address that as reasonable risk you know yeah i didn't even think too much about that like <laughs> That is, yeah, that's a big issue. Sure. I mean, what if you're the manufacturer of the cars, you know, and you can you can sell it as a safety device and say this is proven to lower accident rates compared to human drivers, and then somebody gets killed by one. Well, it didn't apply to that one family, did it? Yeah. And again, I guess that's kind yeah. of... That's well, that kind, go ahead. <laughs> That reminds me, too, of, like, there was this uh, car company, this book I was reading. I actually read Russell Brand's book, which is fiercely, like, crazy, kind airy-fairy of, socialism stuff. That's kind but of like him, I was yeah. just, I just wanted to hear what the guy had to say. Sure. And um, one of the things he was talking about is um, a car company. Now, I can't recall which car company it was, but there was a car company that had an issue with their ignition. Yeah. You know what car company that was? Um, it might have been GM. Why? Okay. I think it was GM. I think you're right. I think it was GM. Um, and um, basically, they were at a situation where they knew that these ignitions were killing people, but the general public didn't know it. Right? Right. And so they had to make a decision what was an acceptable loss to get that information out in the public and lose <clears throat> sales that way. <clears throat> and save lives or to um, keep it a secret and just pay off the families. And they chose to keep it a secret and pay off the families. Well, have you and ever, like, have you ever seen fight wow. club, the movie fight club? Yes, I have. That's exactly what he was doing. Remember that was his day job was he was a risk management uh, person right. for a major car manufacturer. And if yeah. uh, they take the average number of, of car accidents, percentage of failure times, percentage of deaths times you know the ad- average uh, out of court settlement and if it costs more to do a recall they don't do one and that's basically how businesses work it's about the bottom line and so it's cheaper for them to just pay off families out of court settlements if the risk factor is low enough they can do that if the risk factor is high enough obviously they would choose to do a recall because it would be cheaper than thousands and thousands of out of court settlements but 
the very fact that they have to make that decision kind of freaks people out, right? It is, yeah. And I mean, that's kind of the whole thing, you know, where if you look at corporations unchecked, all they want to do is grow. Yeah. And I, I think it was Joe Rogan that was talking about this, and he said, like, you know what else? You know, you know what else just grows all the time? Cancer. When unchecked? <laughs> Cancer. <Yep. laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so it's like, it's, it's tough. And it's like, so you talk about the free market system and we all like the idea of, you know, being able to achieve and not be restrained in how we achieve, but it's like, so, but at what point do we say, all right, you know, this is out of control, <laughs> you know, this is something that I've never really understood. And, and, and maybe it's just me. Maybe you can clear this up for me. I don't know. But I've been working mm -hmm. in corporate America for the last 20 years or so. Up until yesterday. Yesterday was my last day working in corporate America. Woo -woo. Wow. Um, so, but what I've, I've never seen, and I don't understand this, is a corporation that says, we want to get about this big and that's good enough. If we can make this much get to this part of the market share and make stuff that we feel good about and serve our customers, whatever, that's cool. We can make money like that. Mm. And we don't need to get any bigger. I've never seen a company do that. Well, that's so against human nature. I mean, it's hard to even find a church that's like that. Yes. And the only church I know that's like that, Eugene Peterson's. Eugene Peterson, you know, the guy that wrote the Bible, <laughs> wrote the message. Don't tell um, Tony that. Yeah. Tony Vance will kick your butt for that. <laughs> yeah. But his, um, his rule was that if he doesn't know the name of everybody in his congregation, his church is too big. Now, I don't know how he cut it off. <laughs> it's like, sorry, you're not allowed in. We're at 250 already or whatever that number was, right? That makes you wonder, but, doesn't it? But respect, you know? And it's like, yeah, I haven't heard of it a business getting that big and then saying, yeah, we're good. I've never seen it happen. Never. And I, I will never understand because there's some things that like you just cannot infinitely expand the market for. So like when yeah. I, when I worked at the, the factory I was working at, we made very specialized harvesting equipment very right. for one specific kind of crop. And it only grows in like four States in the United States. It's very specific. Right. And so you can't expand that market indefinitely. It's just not possible. No. So at what point yeah. do you, you know, you level off? And they're like, oh, we need to grow. We need to grow. And you can't. <laughs> what do you do? You know? Yeah. So yeah. As I find sometimes, and we can relate this directly to churches because churches do this too. And once they have reached their market saturation for one specific product, they branch out. They look into doing other things to keep growing. And yeah. sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't because sometimes they go out of their area of expertise and it ends up flopping. And I see churches, yeah. I see churches do this where they say, well, we want to grow, but they don't specify uh, any kind, what kind of growth. They just think numerically. If you just want to grow yeah. your church numerically, there's plenty of ways to do that that have nothing to do with the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Having Starbucks yeah, in sure. the lobby or having whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to do it. Yeah. But is that really growth? Yeah. Is that That's funny too. 
when I see, and I know a lot of churches do it, but when they sell stuff out in the, out in the lobby, I'm always thinking of Jesus with his whip. <laughs> Whipping the tables over. What's up? Whip it good. You know, it's funny. I was listening to, um, they were talking about um, church growth on, I think it was the Phil Vischer podcast. And they were saying, you know, like that, you know, you talk about millennials and we can complain about millennials. we got lots of <laughs> things to say about how whiny they are and stuff. But and I won't get into that, though. Um, right. But they were saying, you know, one thing I thought was really interesting about millennials is that they're not buying into the hype like we do. Because, I mean, I, I go to a church and there's like lights and, and, and smoke and I'm like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. And then, but millennials are so suspicious of it. And they say, well, this is just way too glitzy, way too glamorous. And they're like, they said that the churches that really attract young adults and young people are churches that simplify and just focus on Jesus. That's all they want. They want something authentic. They don't want the pastor in skinny jeans. And oh, the- I don't think anybody else wants that either. <laughs> At least not my pastor. Oh, no, just no. <laughs> please don't no just but yeah. um the other thing they talked about that i thought kind of relates to what we're talking about is um one of the churches they were talking about that was growing was that they set a rule that they're not going to start any ministries that already exist Ooh. so for example we're not going to do something that treats alcoholics if there's already something in the community that treats alcoholics Or, you know, feeding the homeless. It's like they would encourage people within the church to go join those local organizations and be Jesus in those organizations. I like that. And I mean, it's that whole idea that it's, you know, instead of just branding ourselves to just branch out. And the cool thing is it helps anyways, you know, it helps your brand and which really don't want to use that word, but you know, it'll help your brand anyways. And it's like when I go to home Depot and I say, Hey, do you have this type of nut? And they're like, no, but if you go to Lowe's or, you know, if you go to somewhere else, you know, this is a good place to go. And you're like, huh, that guy just helps me go to another store. And what do you do? You go back to home Depot again. Cause you want the help, right? Yeah, absolutely. Today's episode is brought to you by home Depot. Yeah. See you soon. I was actually thinking, you know, if we ever got sponsorship, if we ever did, yeah, I wouldn't want to actually stop the podcast only for Acme, but it, right. for other other sponsors, I don't want to stop the podcast to talk about that sponsor. I want to do product placement. Oh yeah, I love product placement. You know, like oh yeah, here I am drinking in my diet Dr Pepper or whatever. That stuff is nasty. I would never drink <laughs> diet Dr Pepper. Just using that as an example. But, yeah, it's like my iPhone. Oh, here, let me look that up on my... Really holding its charge. Let me look this up on my that? HP Inspiron, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have you heard how great Gee, this I thing sure is? I like my bands. Yeah. <laughs> After a while, there's just nothing to hear. We're just talking about brands the whole time. Yeah. Well, oh, just a minute. Let me check my Timex yeah. expedition. <laughs> right, right, yeah. No, I don't think we'd ever get to that point. That would be kind of awkward. We would have to. Yeah. Yeah. That no, I don't think. That's don't think when we stop our growth, guys. Yeah. Well, because we, we want quality for you. We're Unlike only the some best. podcasts that are just quantity. Not mentioning any names. Yeah. I'm not gonna name any podcasts. That, that hours and a half of elevator music. 
so um, I'm always like super hyper aware of, you know, just kind of how we're perceived culturally as Christians. Yeah. And uh, I guess because I have atheist friends on Facebook, I've got atheist friends at work and stuff like that. And so there were a couple memes that I saw. You have atheist friends? Sorry? You have atheist friends? I'm a friend of sinners. Jesus? Jesus. Did I just Jesus you, kid? (laughs) Yeah, that was great. I set you up for it, though. (laughs) See, I learned that. I learned from the podcast. I totally set you up Um, for that. (laughs) Yes. Um, Anyways. So um, there was a, one of my friends posted this doctor and this doctor's telling these people that, you know, this person that's like dying, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't heal you. Not enough people on Facebook prayed. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's a tough one. Cause they have this perception, right? That we're like, well, if we get enough people on Facebook praying, you know, and it's like, yeah. It's like a like a petition or something, right? If you get enough signatures, maybe yeah. it'll go through. It doesn't work like that, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I thought that was interesting. I, I don't know. I don't really know what there is to discuss on that. But um, the other one too that I thought was really interesting was uh, this meme that says, "When an atheist is nice to you, it's not just because they want to go to heaven." And I was like, "Whoa, really?" <laughs> I'm like, that's not why I'm nice to people. Yeah. Well, technically, atheists don't believe in heaven anyways. So <laughs> why would they be nice to... Uh, oh, well, maybe there's something in for it for them. I don't know. Maybe it's just Machiavellianism. They're just trying to get a good response out of you. or I don't know. That was my $5 word for the day, Machiavellianism. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. Ooh. Please explain. Okay. So have you seen The Matrix? Yes. Okay, so the guy in there, the Machiavellian, that's that's based on a a, a uh, the writings of uh, a man. I think his last name was Machiavelli. Machiavelli. Um, but basically, it's uh, it's the art of manipulating people and things and situations to get what you want. Um, ah. Which can be used for good and bad. It's just a, a technique, right? Like. Um, uh, manipulative uh, Isn't that... persuasion you know that's the assumption though that this um, statement has even from the Christian perspective they're assuming that we're only doing it because it benefits us and it's like no right. it's like we have this love that's in our hearts because of God and we want to share it and that's why we love people not yep. just because we were commanded to but because it's in us I think that's a very common misconception about Christians is that we are nice to people and we do good works because we're getting brownie points with Jesus. And it doesn't, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it doesn't work that way. And I don't think they yeah. understand that. Even though you kind of explain, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing this because God wants me to. But, and I think they kind of understand that, but I don't think they understand the why. You know, why would we yeah. want to do what God tells us to do? Well, it's because we want to be more like Jesus. We want to love people. We want to help people. Um, yeah, and you know maybe they heard a scripture about you know uh, storing up treasures in heaven or blessings or whatever. But I mean, we want those things, but we're not directly. It's not that kind of manipulative um, head games. You know, we're not doing that just to to get uh, pats on the back from Jesus. You know, that, that doesn't quite work like that. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, in this too, I mean, kind of brings me back to the whole Zionism thing where it's like, you know, oh, we got to bless Israel so that we'll be blessed. And I'm like, uh, no, like I, I do see the Jews as a special people. So I have a lot of respect for them. Sure. And I know that, you know, God's kind of blessed them and stuff. But right. I don't think that that means that every time the nation, the modern state of Israel does something, I have to be like, I agree with that. Oh, <laughs> you know, absolutely. Not. I, I think they could do wrong. And it seems silly to me that people are like, well, I'm going to bless them. So they bless me. Or, and it's like, okay, no, like, yeah. absolutely. I'm not going to stand against Jews. Like, I don't understand how any Christian could ever be anti-Semitic. Like that's really dumb. Yeah. But, but yeah, but I don't still. know if that means I have to be all political on Israel's behalf either though. Yeah. There's no reason for that. I mean, that is between them and God. It has nothing to do with us, whether or not yeah. their country succeeds or fails. If they're God's chosen people, God can handle that. It's not on us. Um, and that's not yeah. wishing any ill will on them either. It's, you know, no, it is what it all. is. It is what it is. Yeah. And so we tend to, and we do this with more than just Zionism, we, uh, we tend to ascribe godliness to things that have nothing to do with following Jesus. Yeah, like football. Oh, yeah, or like being in a certain political party. <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> which shall remain nameless. So, that's, yeah, that's just, sure. that's the kind, I mean, that's the kind of thing, or even with, like, hypernationalism, you know, they say, well, you can't be, and uh, now, to be fair, I haven't seen this in person, but I've heard stories yeah. about people that say, well, you know, if you're a, if you're a, a good Christian, you'll, you know, respect the flag in the United States of America and you say the Pledge of Allegiance and all this other stuff and they they ascribe godliness to patriotism in a way that really makes me uncomfortable. Now granted, yeah. I'm patriotic. I love my country. I yeah. think it's fantastic. It's great. But I don't care. I love mine more. Well, I, I'm sure you do. And that's why you live there and I live here. <laughs> and again, we can agree to disagree on that. That's perfectly fine. Oh, you know what? I love Americans and I love America too. I'm so glad you do, John. So, but again, that's that's people ascribing godliness to something that it really doesn't have anything to do with it. It has nothing to do with following Jesus. It has nothing to do with no with any of salvation or any of that stuff. Um, but people are so inclined to do that, to ascribe that to conflate the two to you know confuse them or even equate them with patriotism with salvation and that when you get to that point man you done went way out in left field and took well, a left turn and historically i mean it's pretty obvious that when you mix religion and politics religion corrupts politics and politics corrupts religion that is true very very true i mean that said absolutely we want to have christian values in our laws Certainly. So we're going to petition our government to hold to godly stances, especially when it comes to, you know, protecting the weak. Right. <laughs> but so I, I, yeah, it's scary though. When you think about like how much power the Catholic church used to have yes. and, you know, like how Kings had to submit to the Catholic church. Yeah. It was basically a super state. Oh, it's crazy. And it's like, and that's what a lot of people want to see happen. You know, they're like, well, we need evangelicals to take over our government. And, you know, and it's like, okay, well, there's a point where it's just like, okay, like, 
we do live in a pluralistic society. So how do we deal with that? How do we be in the world, but not of it? Yeah. You know, that's a very good point. I want to end up with some tainted version of Christianity as our political system. Right. Because we know that doesn't work. We, we actually had a discussion about this in a Bible study Wednesday night, uh, which, yeah, it was last night, actually. Um, I'm losing track of what day of the week it is, much less what month it is. So, um, yeah. I mean, there's like Christmas decorations everywhere. I have no idea what month it is. I don't know. Christmas is yeah. like September to December. I don't know. Whatever. But um, we were discussing this in Bible study, and we were we were talking about the role of an ambassador and in mm-hmm. a different country because we are Christ's ambassadors here on earth. And That's a good example. It I also, like that. It also tied into um, uh, being in the world and not of the world, right? And so um, continuing our um, discussion about not politics, um, there, I mean, <laughs> like, for instance, when somebody is in a foreign embassy, let's say, for, for instance, somebody that is in the foreign embassy in London, they, it, right. that embassy building is technically another... If I'm in the American embassy in London, if I, as long as I'm in that building, I'm in America. Mm-hmm. That building and all the land that is on is technically American soil as much as any other place in America is. And so interesting. I'm yep. there. I am in London, but I'm an American in America, in London. You follow? Mm-hmm. And so right. when, yes. when we look at that and, and see we are citizens of God's kingdom, we are ambassadors and emissaries here to earth, to the world, I say, the, un, you know, the, the non-believers. And so everywhere we go, the, the Bible says our body is, a, is his temple because wherever his spirit is is where he is. And that's, you know, that's um, so basically we are miniature embassies for God everywhere we go. Yeah. And we are yeah. on God's foreign soil, but we are in the world, but not of the world. We are technically, you know, emissaries from another country that are just temporarily staying here, even though we are fully American on American soil, but in London, we are fully God's people living in God's kingdom in the world. Yeah. Does that make sense? And we're creating culture from within, right? Like that's where that culture flows out. And it's like, we're spreading Jesus everywhere we go. Absolutely. And that's, and that's the best way to do it rather than say, well, like, and again, we're going to, you know, badmouth some churches that you know they just basically swing the doors open and say well all everyone who wants to know jesus come here well a lot of people aren't going to do that you need to go out and meet people where they are and that's why we have foreign embassies so that we can go and have someone who represents us go into another country and have face-to-face conversations with them on their turf and yet still have all the rights and 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 things hitherto being an American citizen on American soil, but how else are we going to get into that culture and have face-to-face talks with people if we're not physically there? So that's kind of where the idea came from. And, uh, and I think we as churches tend to forget that 
our whole church body is a foreign embassy in the world and that we're not there to draw people in as much as we're there as a central meeting location to go out from. And yeah, I, I wish, I wish more churches. It's like a meeting of all the ambassadors. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. All yes. the ambassadors meet once a week and then we go out into our various countries. Yeah. And then yeah. we come back and we worship the, the king, our, yeah. <laughs> our throne you know, and so, yeah, there's a lot of parallels there. There's a lot of common sense analogies. And I think that's part of the reason why Paul uses that word so much as, yeah. uh, as ambassadors and emissaries in the New Testament, because that's a very strong, clear image of what we're supposed to do. Isn't there a rapper named Ambassador? I have no idea. My, my, I think so. My, I think it might have been from like the cross movement. My knowledge of rappers is next to zero. Christian hip hop. I used to listen yeah. to some back in the day, but it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of good, you know, hip hop's getting really good. I don't know if you heard, like, there's a new Lecrae song out. And it's just like, it's got horns. It's like, just, it sounds super, like, analog. It's not that digital, you know, whatever stuff going sing, on. Sing some of it for me. I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Likely excuse. You're, yeah. He's getting like super political too, so it's kind of interesting what's going on there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. to be fair, yeah. I mean, let's be honest, John. There, there are a lot of issues in our countries, ours together, that are not going to be solved on a personal level. There's a lot of things that the government really could and should address. But that being yeah. said, again... We can't conflate that. We can't confuse that with godliness because it's not the same thing. Here we are preaching to the choir. I'm sorry, John. I'm just blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Like racial issues are so huge. And it's funny. In Canada, we pretend we don't have a racial issue, but we definitely do. And it's the First Nations people, you know, right. and the way we've treated them and the way they are viewed still, you know, and it's like we got to work on that. We got to get better with this. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, there's so many problems, and and I'm not going to pretend to know all of the answers or even some of the answers, but there's a no. lot of there's a lot of issues that are just there's there's no simple answers to it, you know, uh, yeah, immigration, um, just you know, uh, citizenship and uh, welfare states, and I mean there's there's real problems there. There's real problems yeah. on both sides, and both sides have very big gripes, legitimate gripes. Um, yes. But polarizing it and, you know, tunnel vision, it's, it's not going to fix anything. And when yeah. we look at people in the world, when we look at them down from our, our high and mighty thrones, uh, you know, of church and go, well, you know, this is obviously what your problem is. You need to do this. They just look at us like, I have no, you're out of your mind. You know? Yeah, you have no idea. Yeah. And so I think that's part of it too. I think is we as Christians need to be better listeners. <laughs> let's, like, let's be better listeners than talkers to our culture. Because if we're coming out there and we're telling the culture, well, you guys just need to get back to biblical values. You need to do this. You need to do that. And it's like, okay, that's good. But, they but don't, they this don't. is not the time to say it. If you haven't even listened to what they have to say, yeah. why are they going to listen to you? Right. Well, right. And if, if you, you bust into a conversation and you go, well, you need 
biblical values to, to fix blah, blah, blah. They, they don't even know what you're talking about. They may not even have a clue. So you've just offered up a solution that is useless to them. They have no idea what you're, what you're talking about. Well, I think part of it, too, is like if you look at any you know, story of Jesus healing somebody, what did he do first and foremost? You could see times where he would just sigh. He would, he would feel whatever that person is feeling. You know, he'd have that moment where actually he, he felt it. You know, sure. he felt the pain. He felt the sadness. And it's like it was after that, after he actually realized what's really going on, that he brought the healing. And I think, you know, we as Christians, we need to have a pulse on our nations, you know, and just listen to what's really going on, try to understand the heart of what's going on, and not just assume, oh, this is just a whiny millennial liberal <laughs> you know but it's like let's just hear them out let's figure out what's going on here and it's like what are they lacking right you and know they, and they what may, do they need right now they, they may have gripes that we find trivial you know or just like just yeah. dumb things you know but to them it's a big deal so yeah. we can we can laugh at them or we can say <laughs> okay look i know this seems like a big deal but i'm willing to listen to you and help you if you are willing to work with me and we'll come with a solution, you know, yeah. I want to see you get better. I want you to, whatever that means, um, that doesn't mean I'm just going to give you an easy out because there isn't an easy out. But they, they have to understand that, you know, they have to be willing to be open-minded about things that they're not maybe comfortable with, you know, say, okay, let me read you a scripture that might give you a little bit of help. At first, they might bristle at you and go, I don't know, it's Jesus stuff. No. But you can say, well, hold on now. This is, this is, you know, wisdom of the ages that's been passed down from generations to generations. And there's some, some legitimacy there. There's some real, even if you completely ignore the spiritual aspect of it, there is some real world value to the scripture, specifically you know, Proverbs and all these other things. I mean, there's so much depth there in the, in the wisdom books, you know, you could dig into that just for days and days, just digging through that for little nuggets of wisdom that you can share with people. And they don't even have to realize it comes I, from the Bible. Yeah. And it's hard to get people to listen. And I think part of it too, I remember this is kind of a little bit of an analogy, but I remember I was, um, at, at the mall in Fort St. John, BC, <laughs> before christ i don't think we have any listeners from there but um <laughs> anyway i was at this mall and um there was this homeless guy and he was kind of he was nearby while i was talking to my friends and i was like hey do you guys have a quarter i need to call home this is back when you needed a quarter to call home wow. back in the stone ages <laughs> and the guy turns to me and he's like i, I got a quarter and I look at him and I'm like, oh, no, 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 that's okay. That's okay. He's like, no, 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 really. I want to give you this quarter. So he gave me the quarter. And then I, you know, as I was leaving, he says to me, it feels good for me to help someone else for once. That's a good point. And I'm like, I wonder, I wonder if there's times where, you know, the younger generation, these people that we assume are crazy or stupid or whiny or whatever, we can insert whatever there. Um, if there was a moment where they could teach us something, like maybe even, you know, like, hey, tell me a little bit more about science. 
<laughs> you know, or whatever, you know? And if we were able to have the humility to like sit down with them and say, okay, yeah, you can share that with me, you know, and, and I'll learn from that. And then now it's my turn, <laughs> you know, but I just think a little humility would go a long way. And sometimes that humility is, is admitting that maybe they do know, know something that we don't, right? It's it's Whatever hard to is. it's hard to admit that sometimes it's, it's sometimes it's yeah. very difficult to sit down and learn from somebody who is much much younger than you. There there yeah. are times that I sit down with some of my my teenage children and I think oh, if only they would just listen. But at the same time, if I listen to them first, I could learn something from that. You know, and, and granted, yeah. they still need they still have a lot of a lot of learning to do and a lot of mistakes to make and most of the time they could have prevented problems by just listening to dad beforehand. But, but at the same time, that doesn't mean I can just walk around like a dictator and just go, well, you need to do this and you need to do that. Da, 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 you know, that, that there's balance. It, yeah. And I'm not very good at that, but that, that does need to be a balance there. And, um, yeah. their, their gripes, even as silly as they sound to us to them, that's all they know. It's yeah, a, it's a big deal. So they get kind of been out of shape when the Wi-Fi is down. You know, well that's because that's <laughs> that's their only link to the outside world. If they're homeschooled for the day, yeah. they you know they're like, well, I'm not going to get to see anybody for except for my sisters. So I want to chat with so and so, and the Wi-Fi is down and I can't. So they get upset about that, and I just laugh and I go, whatever, you know. But to them, it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, you get the idea. Hey, I, you know, it was funny. Um, there was a couple days ago. I said something was dope. (laughs) (laughs) You actually said that? My close to teenager son, he's like, starts talking to me and he's like, you say that? And I'm like, sometimes. And he's like, yeah. He's like, another one to say is lit. That's lit. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm too old for that. Yeah, that's, that's (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. I was doing actual <laughs> worship practice for youth. I'm doing youth long weekend. I don't know what's with God having me work with youth now, but it's kind of a thing now. I just taught yesterday too. I did um, grade eleven and twelve for the first time in nine years. I taught. It was fun. Yeah, awesome. Um, but yeah, anyways, yeah. So when worship practice, one of the one of the youth, one of one of the young adults is like. Yeah, he came up with this intro that's really dope. And I just started laughing. I'm like, I used that word a couple of days ago. And he's like, you use that word? I'm like, yeah, but not lit. That's, no. That's just, no. <laughs> Yo, dude, that's whack. That's, you remember, <laughs> wait, wait. Whack. You remember, you remember Fly? Oh, yo, that's Fly. <laughs> so Fly? Pretty Fly for a white guy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How you doing, Bernie? Oi, they, oi, they. <laughs> All the goyim say I'm pretty fly for a rabbi. Yeah, love that stuff, man. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, you know, one thing I really wanted to talk about <laughs> what? was how sexy octaves are. Octaves? And you talk about music. Yeah. So, like, you know, um, good example is, like, I think Jesus Culture does this a lot. Well, they'll start a song nice and low, and then the vocalist will jump an octave, and it gets like super intense, and it's like, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah I like I like vocal doubling where they uh, they have a background singer sing up an octave. That's really really cool. Oh yeah, Kevin Max does that sometimes too. I love that. I love Kevin Max's voice. He, I mean, he's got the most signature vibrato of anybody I know. But it's just I, I like his voice. I really do. Yes, and there's going to be more new stuff coming up soon. My fave right now, his is uh, music is magic. Have you heard that song? No, is that off his solo album? Yeah. Like, turn on the microphone, wave it all around. Turn on the microphone, it's your magic wand. Something like that. <laughs> it's a weird song. I like that. I, I love the short stint he did with Audio Adrenaline, man. That was just fantastic. I know, I know, right? That's, that's I mean, no no disrespect, you know, to, to the original guys, but man, Kevin Max can sing. That dude has got a killer voice. Oh, dude, yes. I, I love yes. Mark, but oh my gosh, you know. Yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, octaves. So there's not just that, but like even like I now with me playing bass now, I like to mess around with octaves every once in a while. Sweet. You can like ghost the, the melody line on the bass. Oh, I'm not there yet. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> you know. But I, sometimes it, it kind of adds to the intensity. Sometimes going up adds to the intensity. Sometimes going down goes to the intensity. It's just it adds to the intensity. It's it's interesting. If you want to hear some really good octave work on the bass, listen to James Brown, Bootsy Collins. Ah. Bootsy Collins did some incredible stuff. Uh, with some of his old songs, you know, back in the '60s, just phenomenal bass work. The guy's just works wonders. I mean, he's freaky looking, yeah, but he wasn't always like that. But he does some <laughs> phenomenal uh, bass octave work with that stuff. He just bounces up and down all over the place. Just, just uh, well. Plus, I mean, hey, it's it's old Motown. Why wouldn't you want to listen to it, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, good stuff, man. Um, I used. Yeah, and I, you know, actually, I was thinking too. Funny, um, reading books like this doesn't sound like it's related, <laughs> but uh, I was thinking about okay, so fashion shows. Do you ever, <laughs> what? Uh, you know how? Yeah, dude, it it kind of ties. It'll tie in eventually. Trust me. Okay. Um, <laughs> ADD moment, right? Yeah. Um, but anyways, okay, 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 you know how fashion shows. They have like just the weirdest outfits, like big wings or like some weird thing hanging out of their head or whatever. Meat dresses. Right? Yeah, meat dresses. <laughs> sounds delicious right now. But um it's bacon, eh? Yeah. Like, you know that was yeah, no, no, no. I don't want to know about the meat. But that's worse than meat sacrifice to idols, right? Um <laughs> That brings a whole new meaning to American Idol, I'm just saying. <laughs> Ew. Um, anyways, so fashion shows, you know, like when you talk about like fashion designers, they do these fashion shows and they watch these fashion shows. And the idea is that something totally whack comes out there and then they'll modify it so that the general public can have a fashion item that's based on that weird show. Right. Right. So it becomes more mainstream or whatever. Right. Right. So I find that musically, that's something that we do, right. Is like as a musician, I listen to a lot of music that, like, normal people are like, that's weird. Like, I can't listen to that. That's garbage. And it's like, you know, and, like, Kevin Max could be one of those, right? There's a lot of people that don't appreciate Kevin Max, right? Yeah. But, like, the idea, though, is that that kind of becomes an influence for you musically, and then you can bring something to the general public afterwards, right? Most definitely. And that's 
why I was thinking about this when I was reading that Russell Brandt book. I'm like, you know, I'm not going to apply this to my life. But the idea is like, okay, well, that's a thought. You know, I might use that somewhere, somewhere, somehow, right? Yeah. And um, I, another book I read that was like kind of an extreme kind of socialist book was, or left-wing leaning book was um, by uh, Shane Claiborne. Do you know who Shane Claiborne is? No, not familiar, no. Okay, Shane Claiborne is like, he's like actually from Texas. And he calls himself a recovering redneck, but he is like the most hippie Christian I've ever heard of. Um, he actually, he sells his books and, um, gives all of his money away from the, to the poor, except for enough for him to live in the inner city with a bunch of other poor people. Wow. And, um, this book, book that he wrote, it was called, um, oh shoot, something grace. <laughs> and it's, oh shoot, it's, something uh, grace. Oh shoot, something grace. Yes. No. <laughs> and it's like the subtitle was why the death penalty is killing us or killed Jesus and is killing us Why the death penalty is, is killing us, killed Jesus and is killing us. Okay. I'm doing a terrible job here, but anyways, Just roll with it. but the book, the whole book was talking about how the death penalty takes a toll on, first of all, the perpetrator, right? right. So they're, they're sitting in the jail cell and it's messing them up and they'll have like an execution date and then it gets canceled and then they have another execution date and all this stuff. Right. And then he started talking about how it affects the families and how, you know, the family thinks that it fixes the problem, but it really doesn't. And then tells stories about where the perpetrator and the family of the victim actually get to know each other and forgiveness happens. Mm. And that person becomes like a family member. And I'm like, this is so crazy. That is. That and then is he crazy. also talks about the executioner and the warden and how actually executing prisoners really messes with them too. Sure. And so it was a really interesting book and we don't have the death penalty in Canada, but, um, it was just some interesting perspective because there's things like that. I don't, do you have death, the death penalty in your state? Um, it hasn't been used in a while, but yes, there is a, there is a death row in uh, a state penitentiary here. Yeah. And it sounds like it's very rarely done in any of the states that do have it. It is. It's pretty rare. It's very unusual. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I guess part of it too is like when you talk about like um, I, I that story of like um, the Elliots when they went to those tribes in Ecuador, right? Ecuador. Yes. That's uh -huh. Yes. Yeah. The the. I like end how of, I'm trying to do all this Google. See, if we had a third person, I could be googling stuff and sound way more intelligent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But anyways, so um, yeah. But what they said you know, before he encountered those tribes and they had their guns and everything, it was like, well, I'm not going to shoot them because we have eternal life. We've, we've got ourselves right with Jesus. I can't shoot that person. Right. You know, and because of that, they were willing to die. And it's like that whole idea, you know, when you talk about like, you know, someone who's done something terrible and it's like, well, we'll execute them. But it's like, as a Christian, it's something to wrestle with because it's like, is their heart right with God? Right, right. You know, before they're executed. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of implications to that, and there's a lot of moral and ethical um, questions about that that are just not so simple. You no, know, it's not. It's really more and I mean, complex. And for me, too, it's like I feel like our justice system isn't going to be about bringing justice. Like, you're not – you know, someone killed somebody – Um. 
how do we make that right? We can't, <laughs> you know, yeah. what we want to do though is prevent it from happening again. So True. it's like, so what can we do to make sure this doesn't happen again? That's, that's why how I don't, can we, and maybe this sorry? is, maybe this is just me, but I think it's really unusual when someone is wrongfully killed and the family gets some huge out of court settlement that the state essentially paid for. Um, right. And I'm thinking that didn't really bring them back. Did it? Did that really end pain and suffering? I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, I've never been in that position, so I can't say, but I just, it, it just doesn't sit right with me. You know, I don't know. Then again, I mean, I, that's just, it could just be me. And like I said, that's never happened to me. Maybe if, something happened to one of my family members and I would say, well, I want as much retribution as you can give me, you know, I mean, cause you took yeah. everything that I had and there's, I'll take you for everything you have too, you know, but yeah. I, I can understand the thoughts behind that, but I still just think it's weird. I, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. It's not going to like, Oh, it. your heart's broken here. Buy a new one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can't just, yeah. <laughs> you, can't, you can't just fix that with money. That's not, that's, I don't see the point in that. Yeah. I don't know. I guess too, like, it's just like, I mean, there is no justice, you know, like when it comes right down to it, when people wrong you, there's not going to be a way to fix it. And it's like, that's why we need grace. But at the same time, we need to make sure that we are not letting people do terrible things in our society, you know? Yeah. And I, I guess for me, it's like when you talk about being a pacifist, it's like, okay, I get the whole turn the other cheek when it's about me, when it's just about me. Like if it's something like, you know, oh, this guy cut me off in traffic. Okay. Right. That's fine. No I can deal with that. Right. That's okay. Someone calls me a name, you know, but yeah, I probably call them a name back, but I shouldn't, but you know what I mean? You know, that's or fine. You, or you but should or whatever, but <laughs> if it's something bigger than me, you know, where it's like, okay, this person did this to me and they're going to do it to this person and they're going to do it to that. I'm like, okay, this is where we need to do something, <laughs> you know? Yes. And that's, there's bigger things, broader things. The, the truth is, is that, and I think that's a lot of people want to be pacifists, myself included. Right. I, I consider myself for the most part, a pacifist, but almost everyone has a turning point somewhere yeah they just haven't experienced it if they are in a position where yeah they have the ability to stop a murder of someone that they love or some other violent crime and they still don't do it so does your pacifism extend to wanting to stop other people's violence as well and what yeah. means are you allowed to take to do that you know what i'm saying so that's that's a big deep moral Absolutely. question it's not that simple to just say well i'm a pacifist well okay to what extent how far are you willing oh to gosh, go yeah. how far yeah. are you willing I mean, to go to defend same. that um when you talk about like that movie american sniper right. and that what's his name kyle yeah mr kyle right uh, <laughs> i think his first name was what's his name yeah. i don't i'm not sure but anyway Private Kyle, um, when he like, there's that scene where he's standing there with the gun and he's got it aimed at a child 
because the mother just strapped a suicide bomb on that child. And that child is walking towards a group of soldiers and he has to decide whether he's going to shoot that child or not. Right? right. Yeah. And people look to him and they say, that guy's a monster. And it's like, okay, you're saying he's a monster, but you're also living under a peace and a protection. Of right. When the intrigue- guys like Mr. Kyle yeah. In, doing these things. In reality, the person that strapped the bomb to the child was the monster because the child was going to die either way. Yeah. And yeah. so at that point, you only have a choose choices to whether to kill just the child or let the child kill himself and everybody else around him. You don't, it's not a, yeah. I mean, to me, that would be a pretty obvious choice. You take the child out so that he doesn't take himself out along with a group of other people. But people, and again, People who claim to be pacifists, you know, when presented in a situation like that, what would you do? You know, what if it was yeah. that, that child with a bomb walking <laughs> towards your family? Would you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. How far? And I mean, the people going? that the people that call him a hero, too, though, are the same people that, you know, will say, yes, we need to go to war. Yes, we need to do this. We need to do that. And I'm like, by and large, those are not the people that are going and doing it. Those are not the people that are even sending their own children, you know? And they're just like, it's easier said than done too, from that perspective. Right. I mean, how, how, how could our soldiers be roadside bombed if they were just not in that country to start with? Was it even necessary to go there? Exactly. That's a big big question. It, It is. And I mean, like I am definitely for stopping injustice. I don't think we should just let ISIS run rampant and kill people, you know? Right. But I'm like, (sighs) there's a point too, though, where we're going into these countries and we're causing more violence. And I wonder, should we be out there killing children? You know, because I I remember even watching this, uh, this documentary and there were actually Canadian soldiers in Afghanistan and there was a truck suicide bomber in it and so they blew up the truck and it turned out there was a child inside that was completely unrelated to any of this situation and that child is permanently disabled because of what happened right Right. and i'm like huh like there's going to be casualties right and so again i guess it comes down to that what's the acceptable risk right it's like (laughs) if we do nothing this many people are killed if we send soldiers this many people are killed which is better, right? <laughs> and we're talking about human lives here. Like it's just like, oh my gosh! Like, pray for our leaders. <laughs> well, and, <laughs> you know? and, and that's exactly it. Because people are going to die either way. Yeah. And so it becomes a very big question of what can we do to mitigate that? How? What's the best, most, least costly way? When I mean costly, as in human lives, what's the yeah. least costly way that we can stop this? And yeah sometimes there there's just no simple answer because it's just too complicated there's just too much going on and it's not that simple i mean they make it sound easy on tv you know oh well we're you know we need to stop we need to stop bombing so and so well okay but if you don't what's the what's the effect of that and and they want everything to sound so cut and dry but it's not it's very complicated everything affects everything else and so every decision that we choose somehow 
affects everything else. You know, there, there's repercussions of all of that. And you have to be able to, like when you play a chess game, the very best chess players can, can play, can, when you make your first move, they're already thinking 20, 30 moves ahead. Okay, because they've, uh -huh. they've studied the game so much that they've memorized every possible move you can make up to a certain point. Okay. Yeah. And they've already they've already got a, a counter for each and every move that you could make up to that point, and so they don't even have to look. They already know what you're going to do, you know, within a, a tree of probability. So the very best chess masters they they're so far ahead of you in. And when I play chess, I usually think five to six moves ahead at most. When I play yeah. when I play my kids, they think one or two moves ahead at most. So it's pretty easy yeah. for me to beat them just because I'm only a few moves ahead of them, but that's enough to stay ahead, right? And right. so when you're talking war or, 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 or race relations or, con or culture, mm -hmm. culture conflict on a large scale nationally or globally... And it's just not that simple. There's so much involved that you can't just say, well, I'm on this line and everybody to the left of me is insane. You know, you can't say that. It's just not, there's no way. I'm going to, I'm going to bring another liberal into this. Uh oh. <laughs> this is a, Rob Bell was saying like, and I may have used this before, but I'm going to do it again anyways. Um, he's, he used this analogy and he said, when you go through like Starbucks and they try to run your card and they can't run it, that cashier is going to call in their supervisor. Right. So now think about the supervisor. The supervisor gets called in whenever there's an issue like this. Right. So that person is up the chain and their problem solving gets a little bit harder at that point, right? Their right. problem solving is harder than that of the cashier. Right. Now, if the supervisor can't solve the problem, they call in the manager. People can't see me gesturing, but right. I am. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they call in the manager. And that manager, their level of problem solving is even higher. Now, take that up the scale to the president of the United States. What's his problem solving level? Like, how high is that? It would have to be pretty significant, considering how many games of chess he's playing at once with other people who are very good <laughs> yeah. at chess. So it's it's not just being a chess master, being president or prime minister or whatever is like being a world-class chess master and playing five other guys at once. I think I want to be a whatever when I grow up. <laughs> yeah, just grand vizier of Sir Howe or whatever, you know. <laughs> World domination. This is your whatever, Johnny Howe. <laughs> this is super um, villain and world dominator. Yeah. <laughs> Dominator. <laughs> With my laser. Laser. There it goes again. All right. Now we're just getting silly. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, you know, that thing, though, okay, what they were saying, though, like basically what he was saying is like when people campaign, they're like, oh, yeah, simple. I'm just going to do this, this, and this. And then they become president, and they're like, whoa. Yeah, that's a I don't think I'm going to be able to do any of those. Like, more this is way more than I thought it would be. They're so quick to make promises, and it's so... And anybody who listens to that kind of stuff and knows how complicated it is... Now, you don't have to 
understand all the nuances of it, but you at least know global relations is very complicated. Very, very complicated. Yes. And so when <clears throat> somebody makes a glib off-the-cuff promise, the first thing I think of is, that's not that simple. There's, <laughs> they, you know, they make it sound easy to fix. Oh well, you know, when when I'm in president, I can I can do this or I can fix that. You know, yeah. okay, sure, all right. Um, it's not that simple. You you had really better be a really good chess player if you're going to pull that off. And I think, dudes, I patched the hole in the ozone layer. Yeah, right. Well, they can't even decide whether or not it exists. So you know. <laughs> Is that still a thing? I don't know. <sighs> they want it to be a thing. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, again, that's even if it was a real problem, fixing it is not that simple. No. So it's not. Just saying, well, we need to fix it. Well, yeah. Okay. Right. How are you going to do that? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, anyways, I, I guess. And I mean, I've been saying this all along when, you know, this whole election thing started getting messy. It's like, I'm praying for America, <laughs> you know? We appreciate it. it's just it. like, we need prayer. Yeah, we, we and do. I, I think part of it, too, is like when we see our governments get off the rails, we need to point it out and say, well, that's unfair. We shouldn't be doing that, you know? And it's not a matter of us getting the perfect candidate in office because that's never, ever going to happen. No There's not going to be someone that perfectly lines up with your values. So we need to pressure them on the things we disagree with. Right. So if somebody gets in office and they make a lot of big promises and we can say, okay, if you're a good problem solver, you're a very good chess player. Let's see you tackle some of these problems you know uh, we want we yeah. want return on our investment we're emotionally invested in a candidate so yeah we want to see some return on that that's only fair if you say you're going to be fixing problems and you, we know you're a good problem solver from your past track record then yeah we expect something to happen you know i mean that's why we elected yeah. presidents anyways is so that they can fix problems yeah so it just stands fair that they had better you know, do it. And in all fairness, I, I really hope that our current president-elect will do that. But, you know, again, we won't know until he's actually in there because this is, in some respects, it's things that he's done before. And in some respects, it isn't. And so we're not going to know, and he's not going to know until he actually gives it a shot. So it's going to be really crazy and people are going to be mad at each other over stuff that just whatever. And I just, I'm just keeping my <laughs> my nose clean and just trying to yeah. stay out of trouble, you know? Well, I think a big thing to pray for right now is unity. And, you know, like, it's like, okay, let's get behind what's going on here. And, you know, I, I thought there was a um, post of like a quote by Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders says, you know, we're behind our new president when it comes to issues of employment, you know, and getting the economy together. And he's like, and it, like, he sounded very positive. And then after that, he said, and we are going to oppose the president when it comes to issues of, you know, like race and, you know, women's rights or whatever. Right. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you know, see, that's good. Like he's starting with where they agree. And, you know, and I thought something that was cool too, is that um, Trump met with Barack Obama and he said very positive things. He says, Barack Obama is a great man. And, I look forward to meeting him again and talking to him to get advice on things. 
Sure. And I was like, what? <laughs> Sounds like a different person, you know? And so I, I'm in, I'm intrigued to see where this is headed because I'm hoping that, you know, it's like he realizes that he's going to need help from all sides and people need to be united. Right. And I think, I think if we give him a fair shake, to be honest, I don't think he's as crude and as mean as people make him out to be. He does have very good problem-solving skills, as is evidenced by his massive amounts of successful businesses. Um, and I just hope and pray that he can use those skills to make the country better, like he says he will. But again, we're just going to have to wait and see. And I'm okay with that. You know, I, that's perfectly fine. Um, but after a couple of terms or, you know, whatever, we're going to have somebody else in the office and they're going to have to do the same thing. Yeah. And we're going to do it all over again. And so it's, it's okay yes. to, to have some hope in a new person to solve problems in a new way. But at the same time, term limits, you, at some point they're going to have to stop and somebody else is going to have to take over. And so it, it's a never ending thing. You can't put all of your hopes yeah. on one person because they either will fail or we'll get to the end of what they can do and we'll have to leave the office anyway. So, you know, it, it's, yeah. it has to start lower level than that. You know, he can do certain things because of where he is and what he can do. We have to do certain things because of who we are and where we are and what we can do. Yeah. And it's like, change the culture where you're at, create a new culture where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. A Jesus culture. Ooh, nice reference. There. Ooh, nice name drop. By the way, the guy from Jesus Culture. Yeah. What's his name? Kualala, <laughs> Kualala, Lala, Lala, Lala. Something Kualala. Okay. He's he's got a solo album coming out. Oh, I thought um, you were going to say he listens to the podcast. I was like, no, wait, no. <laughs> it'll be out by the time this podcast is out. Um and uh, yeah, it's a solo album and it's very synthy and his voice is just like awesome. Cool looking forward True to hearing it. it'd be it'd be nice man i can't wait to hear it so yeah. oh, <laughs> i was like how did i segue into that oh yeah i said jesus culture that's jesus right. culture that's right yeah we talked about that at our bible study again wednesday night last night we were talking about uh, unity in the church the uh, the high priestly mm-hmm. prayer that jesus gave about how um you know how he wants us to be one just as he and the father are one and we're united in 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 our belief that Jesus is who he says he is and all the rest of the stuff really yeah. isn't that important. And yes, we are, exactly. we are, as long as we are unified in purpose in Christ and his message is not compromised. The rest of the stuff is secondary because Jesus is the primary thing. And so if we could be unified in that, then we are one um, together in the church. And I think people lose sight of that. Absolutely. And I mean, there's just so many ways. And I, I know, I think I've said this before that it's like, there's times where we think we're being all spiritual by getting all theological, but in reality, that's just civilian affairs. It's still just civilian affairs, things that are distracting us from what we really should be looking at as soldiers in Christ. You know, it's like, we've got souls to save here, guys. We We can't get stuck on where the organ should sit. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are we are on a mission on a mission from God. To death. 
All right, so I think it's about time we wrapped up. It's been long enough. Um, man, I've really enjoyed this chat with you, John. This has been a lot of fun. I hope you listeners out there, I hope you've enjoyed this too. We've had a lot of good stuff. Not quite as much randomness, but I think we covered some really, really good topics tonight. Yeah, I think so. Most excellent. We'll have some more in store for next time. Stay tuned for next time when you might hear John say... My middle name is Danger. My name is John Danger Holly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, guys. So from the ADD Masterminds, I'm Jeff. And I'm John. And we're so glad you tuned in. Have a great night. put you on the spot my middle name is danger